Welcome to the Westminster Effects Doxology Podcast, where we explore popular practices, songs, and ideas in the modern church world in the light of Sola Scriptura and Tota Scriptura. My name is John Ross, Westminster Effects artist, Augsburgian Christian, occasional sexy boat captain from Lincoln, Nebraska, and I am going rogue with uh, this recording this evening. Uh, to Cody's credit, he tried to uh, schedule a uh, recording session uh, for uh, this past week, uh, and it was Thanksgiving, so that didn't happen. So instead of that, you've got me. Uh, so I put out a call at the Westminster Effects Doxology Podcast Lounge on Facebook for some uh, Inquisition uh, questions, which we'll get to after a bit. Uh, but I uh, just wanted to uh, share some of the things going on in my world, mostly uh, what I'm doing with, uh, with some of the Westminster Effects gear I use uh, on a weekly basis. Um, let's see. Uh, man. You know, I've been I've been going with this uh, with this Westminster line for for a good time now, and uh, man, I think it's been almost three years. Uh, man, has it really been? Yeah, I think it's been almost three years now uh, since I started with uh, dabbling in Westminster things. Uh, actually, you know, the thing that's gonna gonna lock in that date the most is my very first Westminster pedal, and it's actually serial number one. Uh, is the original uh, V1 of the E89 uh, dual drive. That's the uh, the Edwards on one side and then the, uh, uh, the 1689 on the other. You know, I think that's the first one that I actually reached out to Cody and was like, hey man, I've been following your stuff for a while and, and I really, uh, really want to support you, uh, you know, support small business. And uh, this just seems like a awesome concept. Uh, you know, because the combination of a blues breaker thing and a two screamer thing is, is been done for uh, has, has been done for quite some time, but not in the same in the same box, which uh, which definitely saves uh, some footprint. Of course, the 89, along with the dually uh, that was uh, which is two Edwards kind of uh, kind of king of tone. Uh, but uh, next week rather than next decade sort of timeline. Uh the the dual blues breaker thing that was released around the same time um and those are both of course in in v2 right now so soft touch switching and in the whole the whole lot there with a with a more slender enclosure it's the same general uh footprint uh but it's not as tall if if you recall the original uh big box westy pedals were uh were that double height enclosure like you would find in like the geneva uh v1 or the uh uh, the Luther Tap Tremolo, uh, which I think was was probably my my second Westminster pedal. Uh, Tremolo's always been uh, been something that's uh, that's been like my thing. You know, everyone has like their favorite effect. Uh, tremolo is probably that for me. You know, I, I think I really started uh, getting into trem at least in a pedal sort of format with. I, I think it was a a BBE tremor. It was like a dual speed sort of thing. Uh, I rem and it was based off like the uh, the optical trim circuit that was like an offender, uh, like a you know like a like a, a, a twin or or something along those lines. And uh, the thing I really liked about about that 
pedal specifically was that you had uh, you had you know your blend knob of course or I guess your intensity uh, but then you had two separate speeds and so you could activate the pedal with one foot switch and the other foot switch would switch between the speeds and uh, that sort of framed how I used uh, used tremolo for for a long time almost like a, a dubstepy sort of wobble bass thing uh, like in even some more of the the Hillsong Young and Free stuff you know on on big uh, big power chord uh, hits before a breakdown. Um, I mean, really slamming the gain on on a heavy overdrive pedal, uh, such as a an E89 with with both sides on, which is my personal favorite. Uh, not necessarily high gain, but um, very overdriven tone, and uh, and really just uh, just hit that tremolo in uh, with uh, with pretty significant depth, and it just gives you that uh, that sort of uh, almost stutter, like a stutter switch, and uh, the Luther uh, now. Uh, can do uh, uh, you know can do uh, whole note well I get yeah whole note uh, half note triplet and quarter note and I, I almost always have it on triplet and it just it just fits really well uh, so I mean th- those were my core two for a while you know I think I picked up a Knox 800 at some point in fact uh, I, I know I did um, the uh, outro music, uh, at least for the last 50 episodes or so, maybe, may, maybe 25, maybe it hasn't been that many, uh, was actually the rough draft of the intro music. Um, obviously, the intro music changed significantly before we launched the show, uh, but that was the original sort of concept. Uh, it proved not to be long enough, but it, it proved later to be the perfect length uh, for, for our outro. And uh, that main lead part in there is uh, is done with uh, with the Knox 800, which is kind of a JCM 800 in a box uh, sort of thing. Uh, and that was a original glowing eyes version, which which I know Cody uh, hates because everybody loves it, and it was a pain in the butt to uh, to wire because the because the LEDs that were in Knox's eyes were actually the LEDs doing the clipping in the circuit. So, you know, difficult board layout uh, to be sure. Uh, but if anyone has a V1 Knox laying around that they just like to send my way, shoot me a PM and I'll give you my uh, my deets. And uh, I'd love to have one of those guys back. I should have never gotten rid of it, uh, which I could probably say for hundreds and hundreds of, of various musical accoutrements uh, that I've had over the years. Um, yeah, so we've got that stuff going on, and, and it was about that time that uh that cody and i realized that we were kind of on the same side of a lot of these internet arguments about uh uh you know how important is singing about jesus in worship music and uh we said lots and some other people said it doesn't matter uh and well (laughs) two years later here we are and uh i think right around that time shortly after we started uh my my mom had actually got me a uh a gift card uh, to, uh, to Westy for, uh, uh, for Christmas. And I, I think it was like a $150 gift card or, or something like that, or maybe a hundred, I think it was a hundred dollar gift card. And, uh, so I opted to go with, uh, with a Zwingli, his, the, his Zwingli SD3K, which is, uh, it's, it's modeled after the preamp section of a Korg, uh, stereo digital a 3000, which was popularized by the edge, not 
being used for its delay, oddly enough. I think uh, his primary tone, at least in like the Joshua Tree era, was like a, a Boss DD3, uh, which is available with a tap tempo now. So I've, uh, I've, I've got the Boss DD3, and I've, I've got a Westminster Essentials Tiny Tap uh, feeding that, which is, which is pretty handy. Feeds that and my Luther Tap Tremolo, which I mentioned earlier. Uh, but the the crazy thing about that that Korg uh, delay is that the there was so much clean headroom on tap, and it had just a strange, uh, more better ish thing going on in the circuit. It, it doesn't necessarily add anything that I would say uh, chime or uh, presence. It, it just adds a little bit more uh, cheerfulness in the upper end. I such a subjective term, but. Uh, so I, you know, I, I have that bombing around, and uh, oh yeah, the, I completely forgot the uh, the prototype for the uh, for the Calcedon. Um, uh, I've got that with with custom Luther's Rose artwork that Cody did up for me, uh, and that and, and all of those, with the exception of the Knox, are are still on my board and used, you know, weekly uh, to this day. In fact, you know, I, I hadn't been using the Edwards uh, too much when, when I was playing humbucker stuff, but um, I, I've switched to almost, well, actually, uh, exclusively single coils now. And sure, there's, there's noise because our, our lights leak bad electricity down at the church, but uh, there's something about a telly into uh, the Zwingli, which I, I have just, just a slight little volume bump. It, it, ba- it barely adds any gain just a little bit of uh of, of chutzpah um and then that goes into the edwards and uh, uh you know I, I have a like an always on memory man and then it goes into the calcedon and then uh and then out to the app technically i you know i run a effects loop uh in in my amp i, I use a, a 60 watt uh, fender supersonic head that runs into a an iso cab I don't know how many people actually care about any of this junk I'm talking about, but you know what? It's uh, uh, it is the Sunday of uh, Cyber Weekend of Black Friday weekend, so um, I've got gear on the brain. Uh, not uh, not necessarily uh, going to buy anything, but uh, thinking about uh, all these sorts of sales and, and things, and, and I don't know if there's anything going to be going on for, for Cyber Monday when this episode's going to drop, so you'll have to check uh, the Westminster Effects Facebook page and, and Twitter account and Instagram, or, or I guess he doesn't use Twitter, but Facebook and Instagram uh, to see if there's any details there, but uh, you know, I've been thinking a lot about this stuff, and 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 how I really, you know, wouldn't, wouldn't really have anything else, like you know, I, I have a Boss DD3T, like, like I mentioned, and I've got a, a Boss RV5 uh, for, for reverb. Um, and, you know, I've got a, I've got a, a Mezzo FX Ohm that I usually use as a fuzz pedal, actually. And then some K-Line Orange Burst, some Chinese import sort of BB preamp clone. But, like, all these Westminster things on the board, you know, there, there's something about them that is... Uh, not necessarily uh, or specifically uh, totally unique, although they certainly are. Um, but there's something cool knowing that the person who who has built them has, has done so uh, with a heart for the Lord, and uh, and 
and allows that heart and that passion, as we see here on the show, uh, to flow into the design, to the naming, uh, into the artwork uh, on these pedals, which which I know you guys uh, who are listening all appreciate uh, as well. You know, so that uh, that brings me to one thing that I, uh, you know, that I really have been kind of uh, excited about. You know, I, I picked up a Pod Go uh, recently. So the the Pod Go is it's like the baby brother to the Helix line. So it, it's got all the same Helix sounds. It just has a little less processing power. Well, a lot less processing power, if I'm honest. But it it doesn't. Uh, have as much DSP on tap, so you can't run like, you know, three delays and two reverbs at the same time as an amp and a cab sim and all that. I, I picked it up mostly for, uh, for home use or when I didn't want to bring my whole rig out, because you know with, you know, with my whole rig plus, uh, you know, plus my amp and the effects loop running there, I mean, it's it's a it's a big thing. So maybe if I'm in the worship leader spotter or something, it, it you know it could be. Uh, could be handy or if I didn't want to rip all my stuff uh, off to make like a, a temporary like small direct board using my my Geneva uh, which uh, which I keep at the church to run in in stereo and, and things like that um, uh, v1 uh, Geneva the the v2 is out now and add, add some additional functionality for for those uh, who would like to li- have that live on your board but uh, anyways I, I was kind of uh, doping around with this this pod thing and i got some of the presets from you know worship tutorials and david hislop from uh from bethel and and whatnot and they're you know they're, they're great and i noticed a lot of these use uh use the uh the air apparent model which I, which i guess is a, a prince of tone and uh you know prince of tone being a blues breaker style uh overdrive and uh you know, I, I kept help but thinking, it's like, wonder how this stacked up to uh, to my Edwards, which is a real Bluesbreaker style overdrive. And, and uh, you know, although the Pod Go certainly, and, and the Helix in their own right, certainly have uh, some great things going for them. And uh, ours, ours, mine sounds great. Uh, I, I would have no problem, you know, plug in, plug in direct and, and go on that route. I know some of our listeners uh, do that. Um but there, there is a certain uh, interplay and uh, uh, almost tactileness that exists with the real thing that, that I found kind of cool. And uh, up until this point, you know, I haven't had any modern modeling equipment aside from plugins like Bias and, and whatnot uh, to, uh, to really check that out. And, uh, and I, I was pleasantly surprised and, and, and frankly, uh, relieved, uh, because I'm good friends with Cody and I talk to him every week that, uh, that I must prefer his stuff. Uh, and, uh, and I think there's something to be said for, for that, uh, uh, that, that realness thing. Uh, although it, it doesn't necessarily, uh, go hand in hand with the convenience thing all the time. So, you know, you've got to look at your own needs and, and things like that. But for me personally, uh, that, uh, that all analog single path is, uh, well, for the most part, you know, RV five and all, uh, is definitely something I appreciate. But at that, uh, I think I'm done rambling about, uh, about gear. Um, you know, there's, uh, there's been a lot of, uh, cool things that I've, I've had the opportunity to be, exposed to and, and try out and um you know the coolest things are, are probably the geneva that i mentioned and then the uh, the zurich which is the acoustic 
uh, preamp DI combo. Um, has the XLR out on it is as well, and that's a, a mainstay on my on my acoustic rig. Uh, good stuff and uh, and super uh, super useful. Uh, and honestly, the Geneva really does hold its own against uh, uh, against an AC30. Uh, especially when you consider the the weight, the difficulty, and miking the volume problem. So uh, go ahead and check that out. Uh, But for now, we're going to leave this segment here, and we're going to go on to the Inquisition. And welcome back. This is the Inquisition, where usually we, but this time I, take your questions as submitted in the Westminster Effects Doxology Podcast Lounge and attempt to answer them this evening without my cohorts. Uh, So there will either be a lot of questions skipped or a healthy dose of ignorance. So let's start at the top. Uh, Let's see. Ben Anthony Uh, You've got a question about head coverings in worship. I think that is a fantastic question. Um, And I'm not going to attempt to to tackle it on my own. And and there's some reasons here. One is, is, although I have been active in the church for my entire life, I have served professionally in the church, uh, this is not a place of study that I have had much, uh, much experience in. I mean, there are uh, some different schools of thought. I mean, Martin Luther uh, took what is generally considered to be the uh, the classical approach uh, that a head covering in the time uh, and the context of the Corinthian church was used uh, to uh, as a symbol of the order of creation, and uh, and Luther was was very. Uh, uh, very attached to that, and in fact, uh, he he preferred it. He preferred the look of women in head coverings. And look at uh, pictures of well, pictures. Look at paintings of his wife Katerina von Borem. She always she always has one in the home and out of the home. Uh, the other school of thought is that it was uh, it was contextual and cultural only, uh, and is not something that should be carried on. And you know, though I. That's the awareness I have, but uh, but I, I don't really have any thoughts past that uh, because I would want to do justice to the text and spur of the moment I'm unable to do that. So, Ben, I, uh, I appreciate your uh, uh, your trove of questions here on on my post, uh, but uh, that one I think uh, we can roll into a next episode when we've got Bradley and Cody. Uh, potentially they have had some experience studying this, uh, this portion of scripture and we can go from there. Uh, Ben, you also ask, should we play Christmas music? Well, that depends. I mean, what kind of Christmas music are we talking about? I mean, are we talking about Christmas hymns, uh, or, or, uh, modern songs, uh, based on or modern arrangements of those hymns? Like, uh, this morning we just did Chris Tomlin's arrangement of angels we had heard on high and, uh, Oh, let's see. Uh, Citizens uh, version of uh, Joy to the World. Uh, Elevations version of Oh, Come All You Faithful. Those are all classic, uh, arguably timeless Christmas hymns of the church uh, that not only uh, point us uh, to Christ and not to be kitschy, but the true reason for the season. Uh, but also our heart songs for a good many in our congregation and, and are things that can, can really uh, fill them on a, uh, 
on a spiritual level, uh, potentially via emotions or, or memorial or memorial uh, kind of memory connection pieces. Uh, but some things that uh, would be a blessing to them, uh, e- even if that is a blessing that leverages their own personal tradition. So in those cases, absolutely. Uh, what about modern Christmas songs? I mean, another one we did, did this morning was uh, what, a, what a Glorious Night from Sidewalk Prophets Once, and uh, Christmas Alleluia by, by Tomlin. Uh, and, uh, you know, we, we have other more modern, uh, modern pieces coming up throughout the rest of the season, uh, at Christ Lincoln, along with, uh, rearrangements of, of traditional pieces as, as well. And, uh, I, I think as, as with anything, you know, does it edify the body of Christ? Does it point, uh, to Christ and does it glorify God and enable his people to return praise and thanksgiving back to him in song, uh, then why not? Uh, you know, Jared, Jared Hartley posts a, a reply to, to Ben, your question here, and is like, when is it appropriate to play Christmas music? Uh, I would say that's probably directly related to uh, your enjoyment or lack thereof of, of Hallmark movies. Uh, but uh, in general, uh, at Christ Lincoln, at least, and, and throughout my childhood, uh, after Thanksgiving, uh, usually the first uh, Sunday there, thereafter is the beginning of Advent, uh, which in the uh, in churches that celebrate the, the pericope or, or the church year, uh, that is where we begin our, uh, our meditation on the promise of the coming of Christ, both then uh, and uh, his return to come. And... Uh, you know, there are a good deal of, uh, of rich songs of the faith to be sung during that season. So, uh, deck the halls. Oh, let's see. Austin Dobbs. What advice would you give to someone who's played guitar for years but never owned a tube amp and is now getting tube curious? Wow. I'm getting like South Park episode flashbacks uh, from that tube curious statement. If you don't know what I'm referring to, uh, don't worry about it. Uh, that comment was not not for you. Um, okay, so tube amps. Uh, I've had uh, a good plenty of tube amps, and I've also had plenty of solid state and plenty of modeling stuff. Uh, I think my first true delve into what I would consider professional grade electric guitar equipment uh, which means it excludes my crate amps and uh, and my PV Rage 158 that I got with my my first Ibanez electric guitar. Um, I you know my my first jump into into professional guitar gear we'll call it was a Pod uh, XT Live uh, inspired by Lincoln Brewster 100 percent you know he used Lex, X3 Lives uh, in, in a live concert setting for for a good long time and. And uh, I, th- I think he's moved on to, to something else, but uh, he's bounced between the line six stuff. And so that's what really got me going in that direction. And that's what opened my eyes to really the just how diverse the tones were between different amps. I always knew, like, you know, you had your Marshall stacks and then you had your Fender and I didn't really know what Vox did and what was Matchless and what was High Watt. And, and I, I didn't really know uh, what these things were. 
And when I started getting into that, I, I too started getting tube curious. And, and I, I ended up buying uh, a, a tube amp a number of years later. It was a Fender Super 112. It was a red knob Fender. So it's from the 80s. Uh, really kind of a, a junky, like early printed circuit board design. I mean, the lead channel sounded terrible, but the clean channel was 100% Fender. It was loud. I didn't know what to do with it, um, but it sounded good. Uh, but it was just too loud for, for what I was doing. And, and at the time, I, I didn't know how to coax a tube amp in, in the way that I should. I, I didn't know about the tricks of running like a passive uh, volume uh pedal or or knob uh in in the effects loop uh to uh to kind of attenuate uh that especially in amps that only had a master volume like a deluxe reverb or or the vintage channel of my supersonic for instance or the super 112 and you know now of course i've gotten there and i've had trainers and vhts and, and jet cities and panamas and uh and Voxes and Fenders and Black Stars and and a lot of stuff and uh, there's something you know very much like I was mentioning in the first half of the program uh, with the uh, the the tactileness of of a of an analog pedal. There's very much that sense of of realness with uh, with a tube amp. You know, it's, for instance, I, I enjoy vintage computer games. I don't, I don't play them as often as I, as I would like, but I, I've got like a Windows 98 computer, like a Gateway 2000 from 1999 with a Pentium 3, and I know that I can run Duke 3D on my, on my Pro Tools rig and just, I mean, inside of a web browser for Pete's sake, and just play the same game. But there's something about playing it on a CRT screen you know, on like launching it from Windows 98 in MS-DOS mode, that's just feels more real to me. And I think that's really the, really the tube amp magic nowadays, because you can get, uh, I mean, beyond believable sounds through Helix, Kemper, Axe FX, what have you. And they sound great. They're relatively easy to use, especially if you drop a few bucks on, on presets and patches and, and things like that. But there is a sense of, of realness of being able to plug a cable uh, right into the front and knowing that exactly what you're putting into it, that thing is making louder. And uh, sometimes that's a good thing. Usually if you're a decent guitar player, that's a good thing. If you're, if you're lousy, then you need reverb, and that's a whole other story. But uh, <laughs> um, there's something real and there's something fun about it. Uh, real Christmas trees as opposed to artificial. Can you hang ornaments on both? Absolutely. But the real tree, there's something special about it. It, it. it was living. It was brought inside. Maybe you went out and cut it yourself. I think that's kind of the mindset you want to be in uh, when considering it. And, uh, and also, you got to think of how you're going to use it. Uh, I mean, do you have a place at your venue to, uh, uh, or your church uh, that you can put a tube amp that that maybe is 20 30 40 50 watts that's just going to be so loud when it's at the volume that really matters uh that that's in a space that can be controlled you know at christ we use uh jet city uh jet stream 2 isolation cabinets and i think they use them actually at, at res as well um 
And, uh, you know, we've got Celestian uh, G12Ks uh, loaded in them. Uh, and then, uh, oh, geez, I think we've got an SM57 in one, uh, Sennheiser E609 in another, and then uh, whatever the, uh, the Audix i5, I think, is the, the SM57 equivalent from, from them. And, 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 you know, they, they get a bit woofy if you don't control your, your low-end uh, but gosh darn it, when that door's closed, it's uh, it quiet quiets it by about eighty percent. So if you're looking to go tube, go that way. I, I mean, maybe you'll go back if your back starts to hurt or you want a little more versatility. Uh, but uh, I will say they're fun and there is a sense of adventure there. Um, man, I don't know how we uh, how we get through so many questions on the show. I feel like I've been talking forever. Oh, let's see. Uh, Drew Smizer asks, the gear dad himself, what's a guitar pedal that seems to be hailed as great by everyone, but that I didn't jive with? Um, honestly, almost anything by Earthquaker. Like, I've had, uh, let's see, uh, I've played a, a friend's Palisades. Uh, I had a Dunes. Uh, I had an afterneath. They they just seemed. I mean, they just seemed to be so either one trick ponies or just something that I just don't enjoy. And there's a lot of people who really like the Earthquaker thing. Uh, I don't know. They they seem they seem too niche. I maybe that's not an accurate take. But uh, if I were to pick one, I I would say I would say that you know a lot of people are like Dunes is the quintessential like versatile overdrive and and I straight up don't agree. I mean maybe if I were to uh, go a little more mainstream, uh, Boss Blues Driver maybe. Um, it, it just seems a bit harsher to my taste. Uh, the EHX Soul Food, you know, it's kind of that Kalan thing. I don't know. It, it it's just not as magical, uh, not as much mojo as some other makers. Um, oh man also from Drew Smizer what's the most hilarious mess up you've had during worship or that I've witnessed first hand uh, well I can say that when I was using my pod uh, I don't remember if my, it was my X3 or my XT or my HD 400 or whatever um, but I was running both my acoustic and electric through it and instead of hitting my acoustic patch, I hit the button right next to it, which was like modeled on like an angle cab. And so I had like my Taylor 210 running through like, like an angle on a four by 12 and just ridiculous stuff. And boy, that puppy howled. Um, oh, geez. I, I, oh, <laughs> there is. So, uh, in the song, um, oh, what is it? Uh, is it even it's even so come i think uh there's a, a part in the second verse that says uh um call back the sinner wake up the saint and you know occasionally when when i'm leading worship i'll i'll fudge lyrics here and there uh not even consciously just as something that's like when i'm into the song i'll just uh, ad lib and and change change a, a a part of speech around and so instead of wake up the saint i i just said wake up that saint uh and uh in our our backing vocal that week uh, cheyenne just looks at me and cracks up 
And so every now and then I'll, I'll uh, just pass her and, and yell out, wake up that saint. And uh, it's, it's a good time. Uh, let's see. Brian Morris, as is tradition. Uh, he has, uh, has a few here, as is tradition. Uh, first one, uh, what's my take on these Amazon Basics pedals? Honestly, they're probably the same as, uh, as all the other uh, kind of micro pedals that are available from, uh, geez, Tom's line was that for a while. Uh, oh, man, what are some of the other ones? Uh, K-Line, probably. It's probably all the same circuit. They're probably all made in the same factory or shop. Um, I don't know. If they sound good, play them. But, like, I don't know. Uh, they're probably not built to last, honestly. Um, and you got to keep in mind, you're going to be stepping on things, especially if you like the sound, you're going to be stepping on it a lot. So, uh, spend a little extra and get something that's going to last, uh, with, especially with this stuff. I mean, if an input jack breaks, when you step on a pedal and you're in the middle of a song, whether you're at the church or or in a club or or whatever, I mean, that's, I don't know, that that ain't good. Uh, so buy something decent uh or or just never step on it which for a pedal is kind of defeats the purpose brian morris also asks what is the most overrated piece of musical equipment matt bradley says guitar uh, may have to be uh may have to may have to agree with with that one um overrated like something that's that everyone says is so good, but really is just ugh. Um, honestly, the SM57. I've I, I for me personally, I've never been able to sing through an SM57 and be like, mm, that's it. Like a Beta 58, maybe, uh, which I realize is just like a, a different uh, a different sensitivity pattern, cardio versus super cardiate or something like that, but. Uh, yeah, SM57. I mean, the last forever, the workhorse mic. I just don't like them. Oh, Brian Morris, if I weren't Lutheran, what denomination do you think you might favor? I don't know. Whatever, whatever res is. Not, not Pentecostal reformed-ish? Yeah, probably that. Uh, Matt Paragoy, what gear should I try to trade my Roland JC120 for? Dang, dude. I've always wanted to play through one of those. That was one of my favorite, like clean, like clean models in the old pod days. I I really liked that thing. Um, honestly, I would get something that has decent resale value, uh, because my advice is not going to be conducive for something that's that's necessarily long term. But get something fun. Like if you've got JC120, which which certainly has value to it. Um, Get what you need out of it and, and turn it and get something fun that's going to hold its value that if once you're done having fun with it, you can part ways with. Um, either that or sell it and pay your electric bill, uh, whatever works for you. Uh, Matt also asked, will there ever be justice for Fanny? Uh, I don't know. You know, I, I, copped, uh, I copped one of her songs for, for a bridge uh, for one of my songs once. Uh, I gave her credit. Uh, so, yes, justice for Fanny. Um, 
do I Matt Paraguay also asked, I'm trying to get through all of these so this is a long episode I blame all of you Matt Paraguay also asked do I discount the earlier works of artists or authors whose work you once found valuable if they go off the rails into not so good places theologically later in life man I try not to um I, I, I like the music to stand on its own. You know, I've mentioned this when we've talked about, uh, you know, when we've talked about music from some of the questionable uh, production houses like Bethel, for instance, where, uh, you know, perhaps they do have good songs. And if we play one in church, you know, someone may come up and ask, hey, who wrote that? It's like, oh, it's Bethel. And then they go listen to all their stuff. And it's like, oh, they have sermons. And then they listen to Bill Johnson and then Gold Dust. You know, uh, there there certainly is a slippery slope. Uh, perhaps it's uh, it's it's a little far fetched to to see it going going that far. But in general, I, I prefer to try to let the music stand on its own. Um, you know, the first person that comes to mind, actually, of all the situations like this that we've talked about on uh, um, on the show. Uh, the first one is Vicki Beeching, um, and uh, she was was a, a popular uh, Australian, maybe uh, worship musician uh, in in the two thousands, early two thousands, and uh, she had a great song, uh, "Yesterday, Today, and Forever." Uh, I just thought about the the other day. It's it's a great, it's a very anthemy song. It's kind of in that that girl, not pop punk, but. Um, uh, a girl, a girl rock sort of thing, and I don't mean that in a uh, in an impolite way, uh, but it, it, that's the vibe that I would kind of give it. And uh, you know, she uh, she came out with some uh, some unbiblical viewpoints um, a number of years ago, and and that was the first time that I had really been challenged on that. And at the time I was doing that song at a church up in Northern Nebraska that I was working at. And, uh, and I stopped, uh, I, I stopped not because, uh, I discounted the work, but because I, I wasn't sure what to do with that. Um, I think, I think today, uh, you know, having the resources of a team and, uh, uh, I, I think I, I would would address that on a much more exhaustive level, talking with with pastors and, and other staff to really discern is is the message of this songwriter something that we want to field questions about? Um, and I think that's the ultimate determining factor. But personally, um, it's still a good song. And if it comes on, I'm not going to turn it off. Um Kyle Daly asks, when I'm going to come down to Dallas and, quote, hang with your boy, hashtag get some good fajitas. Uh, I don't know. Uh, my wife's sitting over there. Shakes her head no. Sorry, bud. Uh, Austin Dobbs says, H-Town has better fajitas. John Ross, don't listen to this nonsense. And, uh, oh, my wife says my fajitas are probably better. I Maybe. I don't know. That's that's quite flattering, dear. Thank you very guac. much. And my guac? No, I said they probably have better. Oh, you have better guac, though. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Like, fajitas are great, but they are not my, my choice Mexican food. Like, my jam is uh, chili rellenos all day long, or tamales. Oh, so good. Uh, yeah, so uh, find me the good one of those, and I am there. 
final question for this evening. Thank you all much for uh, thank you all so much for indulging my ramblings this evening. I, I hope you get something out of this uh, this blast of hot air uh, that we're calling an episode. Uh, but Austin Dobbs asked our final question for the evening. John, do you dis- subscribe to the stacking overdrive method? Uh, first, second, third, etc. I find I won't put a pedal on my board unless it shines on its own. I don't get this has to be stacked with this dirt drive paradigm. Uh, I kind of agree, although I do stack. I absolutely stack. Um, and, and I have my board arranged in a way that facilitates that. Uh, signal chain goes from uh, wireless to tuner to uh, my compressor, which is a Pigtronics Philosopher's Tone, uh, uh, which I need to replace because it's super microphonic. Um, then it goes into my, my BB preamp clone, uh, which I run with the, the, the drive at like zero, but it still has a decent amount of grit uh, just in that. And then that goes into my Edwards and then to my 1689 uh, and then to my, uh, oh goodness, that goes into the Physician and then to my uh, uh, Mezzo FX uh, Ohm V2. Uh, as far as stacking, I will absolutely take my Edwards into my 1689. That is one of my favorite tones. It gives me a uh, almost a brighter OCD uh, style thing, and uh, and I enjoy that. It's... Uh, uh, my, my favorite, like high gain tone is when I can mute the strings and do a quick, quick flip of the wrist strum. And it almost has a metallic, like, like, uh, clang to it. There's something about that level of gain that those pedals do together that, that I love. But at the same time, I will absolutely use the 1689 and, uh, and Edwards on their own. I will use the BB preamp alone. The BB preamp going into the Edwards is fantastic because it gives me like a double transparency sort of thing uh, that is uh, is really great for uh, really just cutting through uh, cutting through a mix in like a uh, like a searing really big lead way, not cutting through the mix in like a tube screamer bluesy sort of way. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean I. Uh, I, I don't really do the the whole like this is my first stage drive this is my second stage drive I just had these same I, I've had the same drive section with the exception of the physician now for for years and uh, I found what works for me um, and and but I I will say Austin to to your credit when I was first getting into to really taking this seriously as and and don't mistake my word, my my use of the word performing here. Uh, I I don't mean uh, performing for uh, for for self glory or self gain or uh, or money or anything like that. Uh, but um, uh, considering my my primary context is is uh, leading worship uh, at at Christ, uh, but I forgot where I was going with that um oh yes uh when i was when i was first getting into this uh kind of performance ready uh sort of sort of mindset with with my gear um you know i saw a lot of people talk about the first second third and i tried to do that and and it just didn't make sense to me because like you said i couldn't stand having a pedal on my board that just sounded crappy by itself and needed something else to just make it do its thing um 
I I think that uh, I think that I mean if that's your thing that's that's great but that's not my thing and and I think I can I can leave it at that I mean we we've got to acknowledge that in all these things I mean especially in the guitar world uh, music gear is so subjective and you know that that's the beauty of it really I mean. Like, sure, it, you know, generations of, of guitarists were inspired by trying to sound like Eddie Van Halen or uh, Clapton or uh, Alex Lifeson or, or, or go on, you know, uh, but or Stevie Ray or Hendrix, pick one. Uh, but the reason why there's so many inspirations is because they all sound different. They all play different. Uh, you know, w- we all know by now that it's not just the gear that makes the sound. It's how the gear, uh, changes the way what it changes the sounds you're making, not only by changing its sonic properties, but how it inspires you to play. And that's the, uh, that's the message. Jeez. To the whole, the whole fricking worship guitar world is, when it comes to gear, buy stuff that that means something to you. You know, sure, they're they're a tool to accomplish a purpose, but I, I think there's something to be said for for buying something that means something to you as well. You know, something that uh, this pedal makes me just play so much better because I feel so much better when I hear the sound that I, I want to hear coming out of my, my headphones or coming out of my amp or, or what have you, or, um, or this pedal means a lot to me because, uh, um, cause I, I really was down with that, that Kanye album, uh, where he professed Christ as his Lord and savior. Hallelujah. You know, uh, I really like this pedal because I don't like Joel Osteen or, <laughs> you know, I, uh, I really like this pedal because I enjoy pickles that are larger than average. Uh, uh, you know, so many things that, uh, that could be, or, or you like chicken sandwiches or what have you. Uh, but yeah, don't get hung up on this whole first, second, third thing that, uh, you know, sure it, it makes sense, but, uh, I mean, not everyone's walking around with with like a, a pedal train max, you know, all filled to the hilt with uh, with every drive pedal under the planet. So you can have one prior to this and one after that and people with two Timmy's or two King of Tones or whatever. It, it, I, I don't know. Uh, play what sounds good. And that's my hot take. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, I've been John Ross, and you have been awesome. Remember to like, comment, and subscribe. Uh, Feel free to uh, leave us a review. Give us five stars. We don't care if it's honest or not. Just leave us the five stars. And uh, remember, you can find us on Facebook at the Westminster Effects Doxology Podcast Lounge on Facebook, as well as the Westminster Effects uh, Facebook page and Instagram account and westminstereffects.com. Thanks for listening.